Vodka. 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 Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and you're listening to Vodka O'Clock Podcast from AmberUnmasked.com. Don't forget you can sponsor the show on the website at Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash amberunmasked and you can pledge as little as a dollar per week. Um, and there's uh, bonus content and stuff for people who become patrons. It's been really fun. It's been a good year and things are going well with that. So returning to Vodka O'Clock is comic book writer Wes Loker, who's been on episodes 1404, 1427, and 1513, which was back in March. So uh, Wes is back to talk about writing comics and comedy and drama. And we talked about art heists before. So um, he's got a new one shot out with Tyler Kelting called Hipsters vs. Rednecks. So we're going to get all into that today. So Wes, welcome back. I'm back. You are back. back, yeah. So you were, you know, it was only like six months ago or so. I know. the The only goal is just I have to beat the amount of times Eric Grissom has been on your show. That's that's the only reason I'm here. It's you know, it's a good competition that I approve of. I think he's. I think he might be one behind now. I don't know. Think Game so. on. <laughs> Suck it, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you guys are great guests. I love having you on. I wish you were here. I wish you were up here. You could join us for, um, you know, our events. And it would be nice to do. see people face to face. But instead, I, I get it. You know, I get a photo of you guys on the Internet and I just let my imagination run wild. Yeah. Oh, you you did what? Megacon. I did. did you get you get any anywhere else this year? Uh, no, I, you know, I was going to do New York Comic Con and then I decided to be a little bit more financially responsible. So I said, maybe, maybe next year. Yeah, well, that's it's quite an investment that you get almost no return on. <laughs> it's true, and it's face it. and it's a, an assault on the senses to boot. Oh yeah, yeah, guaranteed. I mean, I was just in New York, and I, as soon as I get home, I have to shower. I'm like, I just need to wash the New York off of me. <laughs> I smell like stale everything. <laughs> yeah, really. Like you just walk through, and it's like I smell like hot dog. <laughs> I didn't even have a hot dog. No, yeah, that's just it. You don't even need to eat them. And it's just, it happens. Um, yeah, it's been really hot, too. Walking through New York in the heat and walking through New York when it's, you know, below zero, kind of suck. Yeah, then you get, <laughs> get some of that hot garbage smell. Ugh, <laughs> that's that's the best. But you're in Florida where it's also swampy and hot. It is. So. It's, it's very hot here. We're, we're, all, we're all hoping for either some relief or some death. <laughs> I've been watching the Glades on Netflix. Yes. So. <laughs> I, I've not seen that. I, I can't confirm or deny if that's an accurate representation of what's going on or not. But if it has really large snakes and alligators, it's probably yeah. on the right track. It does. Okay. It, it does. A crime show with, with you know, reptiles. Wait, there's a crime show with reptiles? Yeah. I've, I mean, come on. I haven't lived. I need, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research this. I don't believe this is a real thing. This is a real... I wish it had more seasons. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's on Netflix. It's uh, it's one of my, my marathon uh, moments that I do usually like at night. I'll be like, okay, I need two episodes of this and two episodes of that. And... So you have a, like a, rep- a recipe of Netflix shows that make like the perfect going to bed formula? I do. Yeah, um, because I get, I, I'm ridiculously addicted to Netflix because I've gotten just sick of commercials. I don't normally mind commercials. Like I can find a commercial entertaining. The problem is when they're so repetitive. Right. Like, um, I like TNT shows, but, oh, my God, their commercials, <laughs> like, just stop. And TNT, like, half of their commercials are promos of their own stuff, of their own shows. Is that their slogan? Like, TNT, best shows, worst commercials. Yeah, it probably it is. There's, prob- there's probably a Cable Ace Award for that. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, so Netflix like uh, Longmire is back season four, okay. and that's one of my favorite things in the world. Um, I consider Walt Longmire my imaginary boyfriend, along with Richard Castle. Nice. Is is there any chance that there will be a, a crossover between the Glades and Longmire? I don't know what type of show that would be, but it should would, it should happen. That'd be like a fantasy for you, I would think. It it would be <laughs> um, because I mean Longmire's out there in Wyoming. Um, <laughs> And it's so popular um, because it's based on on the novels, and it's so popular that they have a Longmire con. Oh wow! And you know, I mean, I know there's some niche cons, like there's a you know Doctor Who, but that's like the biggest thing on the planet. Right. right. Um, and there's a there's Star Trek conventions. Um, but my friend just went to a Gem and the Holograms convention, oh, which God. seems like a pretty small, intimate, you know, fun thing. And there's a Longmire convention that takes place, I think, in July. Who knew? Are you going? I, you know, when I saw that, I I could ha- like it was one of those things where I saw it well enough in advance that I was like, holy cow! It's like a week of you know, like the author will be there and actors will be there and people around town are just doing all this fun stuff. I was, like, kind of wishing I was there. That's cool. What did people do before they had the internet to organize this type of stuff? I have no idea. I guess they they maybe put stuff in papers that nobody, <laughs> you know. They handed out flyers. Handed out flyers and papers, and nobody ever read them. And then you said there was a gem in the holograms convention? Was that, was was that a... fun for the three people that showed up? <laughs> um, yeah, well, there were at least three <laughs> because um, I saw pictures of them. Yeah, they they really are into it because I think um, the voice actors were there. Okay. So or at least one of them, anyway. Um, they, I mean, people love love the visuals of Jim, not just the you know glam sure. pop music. So the visuals of Jim are so fun that it's like it, it, it it's like you have to cosplay because all of those characters are so colorful and it's so eighties. Um, you know, there's just like tight mini spandex dresses and giant hair everywhere. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I, I hope that they had a good time. Your friends doing that. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, so, you know, up on, on our end though, we're getting ready for superhero weekend, you know, in October. Yes. And we get a lot of cosplayers for that too. And, uh, you know, we we try to keep everything really family friendly, though, because it's a charity event at the comic shop at Comic Fusion. So we get uh, some our, our Star Wars friends come out and then we get some, you know, typical DC and Marvel heroes and villains and usually some Doctor Who cosplayers, too. There's usually a, a couple. Is there anybody that cosplays stuff from the Glades? No, oh. but if if. Uh, lead actor matt passmore wants to come on up <laughs> and do an appearance i'm He's got the i'm advice. down for that yeah i'm in, i'm that invitation is open well, your people should call his people <laughs> my people is my cat <laughs> she's currently sleeping well she's just not pulling her weight then is she no she's really not she's really really not um she's been a cosplay prop though before so she's she's well aware of of con- the convention scene. Oh my gosh, you took your cat to a convention? I have taken her to a convention. I took her to um one of my first ones. It was much smaller at the time. It was the Steel City show in Pittsburgh. Oh my gosh. How did, how did that go over? 
Oh, well, I got permission first okay. before I, you know, tried to bring well, her with, in. With the cat, though, did I mean? Because I, I mean, my cats would would freak out if I take them into the next room, let alone a convention center. Was she? Was she did she behave? Yeah, she is very mellow That's and awesome. likes she likes people, and she's also very old. Oh, so okay. it, I stick. She has a buggy. My anybody who follows me on Instagram and Twitter have seen this. <laughs> my cat has a stroller. Okay. And so she just gets zipped in there and pushed wherever, you know. And um, so she comes to the comic shop with me. She comes to free comic book day sometimes. That's cool. So, so you, weren't, you weren't carrying her. Like you have a, you have a, a contained way of, of transporting her. Be, yeah. And I just take her out for pictures okay. and, you know, she's pretty good. That's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it helps that, you know, my comic shop owners love cats. Yes. So, otherwise... That might not work so well. And until you get those those patrons in the store that are that are allergic, and so then they end up having to leave. And yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I figure if I have to put up with screaming children at any point in life, people might have to just see me with my cat. <laughs> there you go. It's it's a fair trade, in my opinion. It is. You know, and it's not that I hate kids. It's just that uh, you know sometimes they're screaming and moist. <laughs> <laughs> they always seem to be so sticky. They are, you know, like those things that you throw against the wall and kind of like, <laughs> like clop down. Well, how do you think that those are produced? Oh, yeah. It's probably made from a, a factory of children it's, anyway. It's, it's kid mucus. <laughs> of course it's it All is. day, every day. <laughs> so um, how are your cats doing? They're good. They, uh, they're not doing a whole lot. They're, you know, they kind of lay over, lay on the desk for a while, lay on the bed for a while, you know, lay, lay on my head for a while when I'm trying to do things. They love to lay on the computer keyboard when I need the computer keyboard. That's like, oh, that's course. the new thing. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, we have a troublesome cat downstairs who's not the most well-behaved. He's very cute, but he's pretty evil. <laughs> that's, that's how they get you. They, they lure you in with the looks. And yeah. then from there, just pure evil. Yeah, he likes to uh, sit on the laptop, um, you know, if that comes out. So, and then break everything inside. <laughs> well, then that's just the the natural order of things. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm very spoiled with Keiko because she's so well behaved. So, you know, get an old cat. I highly recommend adopting an old cat, <laughs> folks. It's true. They they don't do a whole lot of running. Nope. Nope. They're they're pretty much just gonna sleep <laughs> so let's talk about uh your new project all right we got uh hipsters versus redneck Can you believe that that's a thing that that exists i can't believe that it didn't exist before i know you didn't nobody knew how much they wanted it until it was created is what i'm is what i'm discovering it's you know it's true because like there's uh like beasts versus aliens and aliens versus cheerleaders there's like all kinds of shit out there and and I can't believe this didn't exist before. Well, and that's, you know, it's funny that you say that because that was kind of how it, it came to be. I remember, I think it was last year sometime I was on Twitter and I was, you know, I just felt like I was seeing these things constantly, like the zombies versus robots and, the you know, the plants versus zombies. And I just kind of, you know, threw a statement out into the ether of, you know, is that how we're going to create stuff from now on? Are we just going to mash two random things together? And I kind of said, you know, well, well what's next? Hipsters versus rednecks? And I remember you know, within a few minutes getting a couple of replies to that tweet saying, you know, people saying, well, you know, I'd read that or I'd check that out or, or maybe I'm going to make that. And it, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's, there might be an audience for this. So I realized that I had to make it before somebody else made it and then made money off of it. So it was really, 
it was really a book that um, I inadvertently assigned to myself. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, the, the the power of Twitter. I know because I started um, just brainstorming something like that one one day. I mean, I didn't do anything with it. It was just like I was reading the Pet Avengers mm-hmm. or something, and I just started talking uh, talking about it, and uh, so people just kept asking me, like, feeding me questions, and then what? Right, right. You know? <laughs> isn't it, isn't that fascinating though? How you can get like instant feedback on something, and you know, you may have this pitch that you love that nobody's ever going to read, but you could throw out a a crazy idea and everybody could jump on board immediately before you've even written it. That's crazy to me. It is. It is. It's an exciting, it's an exciting thing. And yet then I get really depressed about my, you know, like my baby project. Yeah. Like, like I want this project made so bad and it's like, no, it's not going anywhere and it was rejected and blah. <laughs> so, and then something ridiculous is really, you know, takes off. But that ridiculous thing could then gain you the readership to get your pet project going, I guess. So, yeah, but it's so hard to be patient. It is. It is. So this is a one shot, and I know that you've done other um, larger scale projects before. So um, we're gonna talk about how this came to be. So the hipsters. I felt like when I read it that it was it was more from uh, the one character's point of view. Sloane. She's kind of falls into the hipster side, and. Um, so she's just wandering between cities after an apocalypse and the rednecks seem to have taken over all the land and she ends up in a place called new Brooklyn. And of course, sort of walking dead style, but a hipster version, there's a self-proclaimed governor of new Brooklyn basically. And his name is Salinger. So, um, we get a lot of insight as to about the hipsters and the rednecks are kind of like, I feel like the red, the rednecks were were cast as the bad guys. <laughs> well, it's you know it's really open to interpretation. Who could say for sure would be the bad guy in that situation? But but like you said, it, it definitely it's it kicks up. You know, there is an apocalypse that has happened. We don't know what it was, what happened. Not really important in the grand scheme of things. And and we're led to believe that at this stage in the game, pretty much the predominant factions that are left over to rebuild the world are the hipsters and the rednecks. And and I don't know about you, but that makes me a little bit nervous to think about if that were a real thing, you know, what would happen to the, the population at that point. Um, so it was kind of fun to to explore what that interaction might be like. And then, as you mentioned, um, our, our main character in the story, her name is Sloane. She's she seems to be a normal person that has now found herself caught between these two factions that uh, are out to kill each other. And much hilarity ensues. Exactly. So. um if Twitter was, uh, you know, where the the original nugget of information came from, what really was the driving catalyst to say, okay, I'm actually going to do this, and I'm going to build characters, and I'm going to build this world, and then, you know, Tyler and I are going to make this um, into a story? Well, I, I wanted to use a lot of, of personal experience, and and I have a lot of personal experience when it comes to both hipsters and rednecks. Um, as, as crazy as that may sound, I, I used to live in a major city where the hipsters were everywhere, and now I live in the middle of nowhere where um, the, the rednecks are everywhere. So I kind of thought it would be fun, just based off of what I've observed and kind of what I've learned about both groups, to to mash them together and really play off of some of those things that, that I saw day to day, and especially when it comes to things that you know, somebody might say, oh, well, you know, there's no way that somebody would ever say that or somebody would ever act like that. Like, all this stuff is pretty much true. I've seen it. Um, 
And that scares me even more, to be honest with you. I see. And um, when it comes to parodies, you know, like The Simpsons are a good example. Um, there's cliches and stereotypes. And, you know, this is one of your comedy books because, uh, like, Chambers was, you know, a drama. Not so funny. Not funny. <laughs> Um, but you know, 44 was really funny and, and very much like a, a parody like this. So how do you find the, the, like the jokes and the cliches? Like, do you find it easy? Do you find that it's too easy? Like it's a, like it's, you know, almost like lazy comedy. I think that the potential was there for it to be lazy comedy. I, the audience that I perceived for this book was, uh, well, I didn't know who the heck it would be to, to start, but. Um, you know, you hear that title and you're obviously there is people who are going to say either like that's the dumbest idea ever or that's hilarious that somebody came up with that. I need to check this out. And those those are the people that I want to kind of connect with. Um, you know, we make equal fun of both groups. So it's like we're not we're not necessarily like putting one group down more than the other. We're We're exploring a lot of the stereotypes that people know about when it comes to that. But then also seeing how these people. Uh, whether they be rednecks or hipsters, you know, how that stereotype would act when confronted with the end of the world. So rather than just be a bunch of of lazy jokes, um, you know, we, we put a little bit of meat in there. I wanted to make sure that they were in a situation that was outside of the norm that, that people would think of them in or see them in. And right. So um, one of the things that I was wondering was are, if you are concerned with actually offending anybody, because, I mean, some comedians get it and some don't like they um like they they almost tell the joke in the wrong point of view sure and uh, i think that with com any comedy is going to be subjective anyway i think this is a pretty safe topic um simply because you know a hipster is is going to be too cool to read this and a redneck can't read so i think i'm safe okay that's going to get me yeah. a lot of hate mail isn't it it might. Oh, it's, okay. it's okay. It's it's all in good fun. Well, did you know, like I, because I also live in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's a, a a lot of crime writers that I follow and network with, and I said something about, um, you know, I was wondering. I always think of small town crimes, at, usually fall into the cozy mystery genre, which is usually very more lighthearted thing. And I said, are there any like serious um, like murder mysteries or mysteries thrillers or whatever that are small town without being a horror horror movie or horror story, and and I was told that there's um, Amish noir. Ooh, that's a thing. This is a thing. That's crazy. Yeah. So when I you know I know that you live in the middle of nowhere and stuff, and um, thinking about rednecks, it's like well rednecks are usually it's it's either gonna be comedy or it seems to go to horror like. There's kind of, there's almost like no middle, <laughs> right? Middle ground ever. Well, I actually grew up. Uh, I grew up in Ohio, and I grew up about um, very close to one of the largest uh, gatherings of Amish people in the United States. So maybe if we play our cards right, we've got hipsters versus rednecks versus Amish coming up. See, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. I was going to ask where where we would possibly be taking this. Oh, the you know, it's it's really limitless, and and that's something that that I kind of have have toyed around with. I mean, I guess this world that we introduce is 
it's very much contained to the city of New Brooklyn, and we don't spend a whole lot of time outside the walls. So my, my thought process was, well, if you know we get a good response to this, and maybe Tyler and I want to do more down the line, you know, who's to say that somewhere dotting the landscape there aren't maybe you know groups of millennials or or teeny boppers mm-hmm. or baby boomers? You know, we, we yeah. could tackle anything at this point. Yeah, you could. You could have you could, you could have teams of cheerleaders and. You know, anything. We will anger the entire world before we're done. Yeah, I'm, that's that's the way to do it. Is you're just gonna <laughs> offend equally. We just outrage the world. No, yeah. I really, I really, I don't aim to offend no. anybody, and and I don't think that there's anything in. There I don't think it is. It's too offensive. It's really. Yeah. And everybody that I know, I know a lot of hipsters. I know people who are are the first to admit that they're hipsters, and I know people who are the first to admit that they're rednecks, and they would all. In my opinion, they would all really enjoy this comic. So, right. I mean, the hipsters. There's a lot of latte jokes and um, ridiculous bad band names. <laughs> Absolutely, and and the, we try to keep the the clothing, you know, as close yeah. to what people think of um, for for both sets of groups and and to play a lot with just the language as well. Right, and. Um... You know, their their importance on resources, like how they define what's an important resource right. is different. It's all about the priorities. <laughs> it is. You know, there's water or there's vinyl records. <laughs> right. You, you have to make a choice. So, um, speaking of the ridiculous band names, though, on the inside cover, you have a small playlist with the specific pages that you think that songs would um, do well to accompany the storytelling. And I know one of them. I know one of them. Are, so are all of them real songs? They are. They're actually all real songs. Um, Tyler and I worked on putting that together. And and in all fairness, I don't know how many of those bands he knew before he kind of went out hunting for, for hipster music. Um, he, he hasn't divulged that information to me. Uh, he swears that he's not a hipster, and I'm going to take him at his word. Um, but I thought that, that the songs, if you listen to them, you know, and a lot of them are, and, uh, they're cheesy. Um some of those songs are like eight minutes long, so if you, you can't really read it with the book. It's more just the song that you should keep in mind as the scene is kind of playing out. But they're real. They're they're all pretty – they're good songs, and they all fit really well with the tone. And it's just kind of uh, – if somebody wants to take the extra step to go online or go onto YouTube and, and just search those tunes out, I think it will add a lot to the reading experience. Now – the, we're talking about Tyler. He's been the uh, the artist on, on this project. Didn't you work with him before? No, this is the first time that we've worked together. Um, Tyler is an artist who lives out in Oklahoma. And he, up until this point, he's mainly worked on a series of his own design. It's called My Friend Death, uh, which is a really interesting post-apocalyptic tale about death, who has um, he, who fell asleep at his desk causing and then slept for a thousand years and has woke up and and the apocalypse is is there essentially it's it's this crazy messed up story but it's really good uh and he's he writes it and draws it and so i had heard of it prior to working with him um but i explored it a little bit more and then ultimately I, i bought the books from him and just dove in and and that guy is just super talented so the fact that he he would help me out and kind of bring our post apocalyptic tale to life was was really cool because his style is not like anything that i've seen that's good. Yeah, I did read, um, you know, the the description 
of his story before and i was like that does sound really like fu- like a combination of funny and um just dark it is comedy it's got this really good wit about it where you're not sure if you should be laughing or not and i think that's yeah. cool if you can make somebody kind of feel that so for anybody that that reads hipsters versus rednecks and likes that um to me that's like the next logical step they they almost could take place in like sister worlds cool what's the um i forget now what's the website for that for his book or for our... for his book uh, that is yeah, a fantastic question i know that his website is tkinkart.com okay it's myfrienddeath.com it's very easy okay perfect so and it's also on comicsology you you have no reason not to read this book absolutely but it yeah, is really... it is an enjoyable romp and i know that it's it's still going it hasn't completed yet i think he's about to start on issue 5 i think that's kind of what his his next project is at this point um, and I don't know how long it's going to go, but I will I will keep reading it as long as he keeps making it. That sounds good. So how did you meet? Well, once I had the idea and I was kind of throwing it around the the interwebs, uh, I was gauging kind of to see if there was any interest from from artists. Uh, it, it died off rather quickly, as most conversations do on Twitter and everybody got, you know, outraged about something else. And so I kind of ducked behind the scenes and actually spent some time just kind of thinking about what the story would be for that because you know you have an idea but that you know that idea does not necessarily mean you have a story so I kind of had to figure out what I wanted to pull off in that world what types of characters I wanted to introduce and and just took a couple months to actually write the script do some revisions and and once I had something that I was happy with um, I kind of went went back to the internet and said hey I made this joke a couple months ago is anybody actually interested in this and and through, I don't remember if it was through Twitter or maybe through Facebook. I think it was through Facebook that, that we actually ended up linking up. Um, and, and I had seen his art before somewhere um, and kind of gave him the script, said, hey, you would check it out. Let me know what you think. He gave it a read over, over a weekend and kind of said, let's, let's do this silly thing. And then I said, I can't believe someone wants to draw this silly thing. <laughs> and then we, It's such a happy story. I know, but it's, it's just so weird. It's just, it's just. To me, it's just one of those things that has no reason to exist and yet does, which is what I really love about it, is that it's just so out there. But it, yeah, and it brought, you know, two creators together, so it serves a purpose. Absolutely, and then I'm happy and I'm grateful for all the, the hard work that he put into that, because he was, he has a day job, he has other commitments that he does, so he plugged away on that in the background, and, and I'm thrilled with the way it came out. Excellent. So, um, well, hopefully there'll be a sequel. We were talking about that, too. We'll see. It was, we crammed as much as we could into 24 pages. And and a lot of the the feedback that we've been getting from reviewers and just from readers is that, you know, maybe, maybe there, there could be more, you know, that was kind of just scratching the surface of, of what that world is all about. So I would love to dive back into it. Um, will there be a sequel? I can't make any promises. You'd have to have to round up Tyler and, and beat that information out of him. Okay. So let's talk about this, um, you know, the feedback that you've been getting. How, you know, can you be honest with how a silly book like this is received yeah, by people? It's it's been either, either they love it or they hate it is the easiest way to put it. And there doesn't seem to be any middle ground. Um, I have a pretty extensive kind of media list that I've accumulated just from releasing comics over the past couple of years. Uh, so I sent it out to them and I wasn't really sure if I would get, you know, any, for one, it's a one shot, which is, you don't see a lot of those getting reviewed in general. 
Uh, but again, the idea was just kind of absurd, so I wasn't sure that I would get any takers. And what's been interesting to see is that the people that I thought would really like it didn't like it, and the people that I thought would hate it loved it. So what do I know? That's interesting. It is. And and people have, uh, you know, people have been nice, but at the same time, they've been very, you know, very open and frank about the fact that it wasn't for them. Um, but there are the people that also just hate on things and there are the people that can provide constructive feedback and, and kind of show you solutions to some of the problems. So anybody that's willing to review it, even if they want to say negative things, as long as they kind of give it to us in a constructive way that we can take to make a possible sequel even better, I'm all for that. Everybody's absolutely entitled to their own opinions. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, because first of all, we, you know, we want to be liked. And we sure. want our work to, you know, of course we want our work to be like. But when you set out and you make a book called Hipsters versus Rednecks, you realize very quickly that you're not going to be changing any lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not like a, a Law and Order franchise. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. But uh, you, the people that have liked it, you know, they've, they've seen that it's just this fun thing. It's It's not something that's. Um, going to affect them on some profound level. It's just you can get in, you can you can get 24 pages of a really funny and, and silly story with a just ridiculous situation, and then you get out and you go on to whatever else you want to read that week. But I, I'm very appreciative of everybody that's checked it out. I don't want it to sound like I'm not. But you know what's interesting though is because of the you know the clear redneck humor. Like I said, redneck comedy is is usually gold and safe. It's usually safe to you know not worry about offending people <laughs> like like my name is earl you know for a couple of seasons that show was amazing mm -hmm. and um and they weren't really rednecks it was more um i guess it was just uh, like a low class sure. you know poor you know poor uneducated a couple of brothers you know but um but that show had so much heart in the beginning about um how Earl was had his list of things that he did wrong and he he won the lottery so he needed to go make up for all of the wrong things he did and you know it's a way of taking something that's silly and giving it this like really cute grounded heartfelt feeling and you know so in some you know and sometimes you're just doing straight comedy and um there's you could you could analyze the hell out of out of something like this out of something like, like you know hipsters versus rednecks you could you could analyze it and go oh my gosh what really would would people be like you know after an apocalypse or something because there's you know that's what the walking dead is about and you know that's obviously very serious so um y has any of the feedback been that sort of analytical about it uh no and and I, I would be interested to see what people would think from that vantage point. I think it's been pretty superficial for the most part. It's it's people that have liked it, have really enjoyed the fun aspect of it, of, oh, this wasn't, you know, this w this didn't have all the, the horrible crime and, and death and dismemberment that maybe this other comic book that I'm reading right now has. So I think people just kind of use it as a little vacation from from whatever they were typically reading. But, you know, I would be curious to see what, somebody who who would want to analyze it what are they going to dig up that came in from my subconscious without me realizing it that could be fun it could i mean you know like 
the importance of water. <laughs> right. But but I agree with what you're saying about My Name is Earl. I mean, I, I have, I've seen a few episodes of those shows over the years, and, and I know that you know, it was very much of here's somebody that doesn't have a lot but just has a, a very fulfilling life based off of what their, their kind of mission is. Um, and, and I think that you get those types of characters uh, regardless of you know, what class or, or race they are, and, and people find something that they can relate to. So if you can get a character that you can root for, uh, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's a key thing. There is the underdog. You know, people love. You know, it was in Spider Man. In fact, that was like like the very first Spider Man movie with Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. It was you know people love to root for the underdog, and then once they rise up there to great heights, then they you know they enjoy the destruction of somebody <laughs> falling from grace. Absolutely, you want to you want do it again in the Willem Dafoe voice. Oh oh <laughs> oh! I don't know if I can. Okay. I don't have a drink with me, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. If, uh, you can't really, you can't really uh, mimic Willem Dafoe. No, he's he's one of a kind. Uh, yeah. But but I would encourage anybody that sound that is interested by kind of what they've heard so far. If they want to cruise over to hipstersversusrednecks.com, they can they can see preview pages there. They can they can download it there, and I, I would encourage them to to send their opinions my way. Awesome. And, you know, but speaking of unions, you know, we were talking about these other factions that could be brought into it. Yeah. Um, I noticed that you were specifically devoid of politicians um, <laughs> in, in New Brooklyn. Like, I mean, Salinger kind of appoints himself, I guess, as but there's but, it, you know, like nobody's running for office. There's no, you know, assholes in fancy suits. Um, so what was the intention or was there an intention to avoid um like Congress and presidents. <laughs> well, to me, that that's very much kind of goes to the hipster mindset because uh, if everybody suddenly became interested in politics, it wouldn't be cool anymore. So they're just not going to get interested in politics. Okay. That sounds legit. I, I know people <laughs> that would literally think that way. So it's it, it's all about the hive mind. It's all about the um, you know they're they're more or less you, you see these people and. If you look in the background of a lot of the panels, there are people just wandering. You know, people are really moving about aimlessly without purpose. And that's kind of something that that we wanted to convey is that um, if left to their own devices to to rebuild a city, you know, what types of ambitions would these people really have? And it turns out, you know, beyond listening to music and and finding vegan friendly foods, they didn't really seem to have a lot going on. Yeah, they they were seemed pretty useless. Um like barely, like how on earth they were even surviving right. was, you know, for questions. Now, if, but it, if we had the opportunity to do more, I, I would. That's the type of stuff that I would absolutely love to go in on. There's a lot of great questions there that I, I think would be really fun to answer and provide tons of more humor. So know know that I am thinking about those things, and and hopefully we'll get a chance to share them. It's true because you know, do you value engineering skills over art? You know, when you're fighting for survival, you know. Yep. I, you know, I was the the one scene where Sloane's like telling them, "Hey, I saw this convoy of pickup trucks heading this way." I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of like sitting on my porch for <laughs> half an hour. You can see that one after another, yep. louder and louder and louder." Any pickup truck jokes work for me. <laughs> and and you know, as I look out my window here, I will see convoys of pickup trucks go by. Yeah. I don't have one. My dad does. <laughs> I feel like I should have one just to fit in with the neighborhood. 
Yeah, I got to I got to drive an old one that he used to have for a little while. A couple of weeks, I got to got to have that. Who's this ugly, ugly shit brown color? You know, with the name gold leafed on the side. <laughs> uh, an AM radio. Nice, old school. Yeah. yeah, it was so it was so ugly. It was beautiful. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I got to have fun with that for a couple of weeks. <laughs> now I'm, I'm back to being boring and driving a sedan. Oh. Well, you could, you know, next time you just need to to live a little bit, just go borrow the truck. Uh, yeah, he's got a nice, nice, fancy new one now. Oh. Like, like, like the kind that's like super fancy, where the seats actually heat up, and there's, a, you know, everything's got gadgets and sparkly. You can plug your iPod in every five feet. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he didn't even know. Yeah, he didn't even know how to do that. He was. I was trying to explain to him that his phone, since he got a nice, you know, fancy phone, that he could get the Bluetooth to come through the speakers and stuff. Oh yeah, my so. my mom is all about that. She got. Uh, she upgraded her vehicle not too long ago, and she's all about the technology integration. So sometimes when I call her, I'll talk to her for a few minutes, and then I'll realize that not only am I in the car with her, you know. Not actually have me on speakerphone, but then like my entire extended family is also in the car with her. So there's like there's just no privacy. <laughs> so you know, thinking of flannel and you know rednecks, how do you feel about the lumbersexual identification? Is that a, is that seriously a thing? That's a thing. It's kind of a thing. This is like the I, first that I'm hearing about it. Oh, you're really? blowing okay. my mind right now. Give give me the oh. scoop. I will educate okay. you on this. Okay, well, so, you know, we're in this age of enlightenment with gender and sexual identity. Sure. And, and it's a beautiful, marvelous thing. You know, there's all these labels out there. I don't know what 98% of them even mean. Um, and then somebody started to define lumber sexual, mm. which is the dudes with the beards and the pretty combed back hair into a man bun and the flannel. And, you know, they're, you know, these pretty... Usually thin men with tattoos and piercings. They sound like hipsters to me. It sounds like hipsters. <laughs> it sounds like hipsters, but for some reason, the flannel identification, I guess, makes them a particular hmm. sexual fetish. Interesting. So it's a, it's a subculture now. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. I, I would I would want to talk to some of those people and, and find out, you know, what it's all what it's all about. <laughs> But is it? Yeah. Why? Like, do they self-identify as that or were they just like stuck in a news piece? Is is yeah. it also a genre of music now, too? Oh, possibly. Because that would be the next stage, it seems like. Because if you don't have like a big ceramic jug to blow into <laughs> and Your, banjos have come back. Though. They sure have. And they're carrying around their growlers to blow into. That's right. You got to have your big old ceramic jug. <laughs> totally. You know, but, yeah. whatever whatever makes someone happy at the end of the day. It does, and you know, and and banjos get a they get a terrible rap, but banjo music is pretty. Yeah, fun. banjos are awesome. Banjos take a lot of skill to play. Yeah, and ukuleles have been, um, you know, back for a while. <laughs> yes, the the uke is making a comeback. You know, it, yeah. it's funny that you say that because there was there was a ukulele orchestra that just visited my town recently. They had twenty four <laughs> ukulele players. It was madness. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Is that on YouTube somewhere? I, it, it probably is. They're they're actually from a, a larger town, slightly over. So if you if you search for uh, ukulele orchestra, I, I can't imagine there are many of them. So something will pop up that'll make your head spin. <laughs> That's wild. I've seen some uh, some guys on YouTube, different different players on YouTube, who do uh, these ukulele versions of 
like classic pieces. Oh, that's awesome. That's just, that's just a creative idea. Yeah, like these amazing covers. And it's like, how did that come out of that little thing? <laughs> it's so tiny. Yeah. So, um, and that's cool. And I, I'm pretty sure now I don't know my string instruments very well, but, um, Sarah Donner, who is coming to play for us on October 3rd at Comic Fusion, I believe that amongst her rack of stringed things, I think one of them is a ukulele. So she's really fun and she saves kittens. So that's a musician to follow. Absolutely. Plays music, saves kittens. Get that on a business card. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, she will sing about kittens sometimes. <laughs> Can you bring your kitten and she like she will make up a song about them on the spot? I don't know. There you go. But I bet you know maybe that's like a Kickstarter reward. <laughs> yeah, it's... If she ever you know because I think she did a Kickstarter for the last album, so uh, Pers- maybe you could do that. Personalized songs about cats. That's I I would buy that. I would pay for that. She should she See? should explore that. <laughs> and you should take a commission for giving the idea. Oh, all right. Yeah. I will totally do that. I will take an agent fee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, you know, speaking of agents, I don't have one. Um, I don't know. But how, how's the comic industry going for you since you are following the path of creator ownership? Um, it's it's there. It's constantly changing. It's figuring out what it wants to do. And <laughs> depending on the day, it seems like it's it may be to the left or to the right. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things that, that I did with this particular project is, is all of the other things that I've released, for the most part, almost everything has come out through uh, an indie publisher of some, you know, some status, some size, what have you. Um, but this one, with Hipsters versus Rednecks, we actually decided from the very get-go that we were just going to self-publish this. We weren't going to count on anybody to help us distribute it or, um, or you know, file it with any uh, electronic rights companies or anything we just wanted to kind of see what we could do on our own steam just using the, such a silly idea so uh it's it's honestly it's a way for me to kind of break away from some of the indie publishers a little bit to see uh really i wanted to find out how much of a difference they are truly making because oftentimes uh promotion is is such a big thing we live in a day and age of social media but when you're when you're promoting a product, you know, aside from just sending out a Facebook post, sending out a tweet, you know, what are people really doing to spread the word? So it's allowing me to kind of take a step back and and maybe learn a little bit more about what they do, learn a little bit more about how to successfully promote my own books so that when I do work with publishers in the future, I can bring more of an asset to that. It, it's really just been kind of an interesting social experiment for me. That That's um, basically what is often discussed in book publishing these days that um well not only i mean comics haven't haven't gotten this way yet but at least in book publishing agents are basically required um an agent is going to do like i mean they'll they'll do different things obviously it's individual based but um the publishers are not going to promote your work like unless you are already at you know, God level. Right. So, um, getting, you know, once in a while, something big comes along or you, where you just kind of know it's going to be big and it gets a lot of buzz and interviews and award lists sure. and stuff. Um, and that's a little bit different, you know, that's, that's like the very rare, the, the, the black Lotus right. of, the, of the industry. Of course. <laughs> um, 
and you know with comics you are so on your own yeah and and there are times where it can really feel like you're on your own so and even if you have you know a, a small publisher behind you it can still feel like you're on your own so and i and i hope that and i think we talked about this the last time i came on the show but um you know i really hope that it doesn't go to a world where we have to find an agent to represent us because there's not a lot of money to go around anyway um i right. think uh, people who are willing to work hard to self promote uh, kind of spread the word, you know, they should, they should reap the rewards of that hard work. Right. And, um, you, you know, certain publishers are great. They have, um, they allow more people onto their media lists. Like you were discussing, um, speaking of loud trucks, <laughs> loud, loud pickup trucks. they're coming, like. they're coming for you. Um, you know, like, so, so some of them allow like the nice, uh, like, smaller sites like mine, indie blogger status to, to get on their press lists and others are not going to do that. Um, it's, which is kind of hard because you want more people, as many people as possible to read the stuff. Right. And at the same time, you can't just be giving everything away right, exactly. for, for free to everybody with a website, I guess. Um, so it's pretty tough, but, um, like you said, you've made your own list and you've been generous, you know, with it. So yeah, I mean, anything, any people that I interact with or or I send review copies to or I podcast with, you know, are, are people that I've I've networked with and I've I've gone out of my way to meet and develop relationships with, and and those are the people I think that you kind of want with you in your career. I'm not saying that people are going to naturally love everything you do, as I'm finding out very quickly. Um, but just to have people that are willing to take a chance on it, you know, who are willing to say, oh, okay, Wes has a new book out. Let's, let's at least give it a look. It's worth that much. Like, that's super cool. Right. Um, and, you know, like you said, sometimes everything can be different You because you've gone from comedy to drama back to comedy. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Eric Grissom. He's got a new book out. Uh, I think it, who is it? I think it's with Will Perkins. Oh, we're uh, talking about Gregory Suicide. Gregory suicide. So at first I saw the name and I was like, Oh God damn it, Eric, is this going to be something I don't want, I don't want to read, you know, because I love planet gigantic and I love dead horse, but I, you know, so I kind of like stewed on it for a while because the cover was really intense. Mm -hmm. And so I finally read it and I'm like, oh, it's these two. Of course it's fucking right. Great. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, I shouldn't have been doubting that. But you can easily, if you, you know, if you do, if that would have been, you know, what you didn't want it to be, you know, how would you have approached a future work of his? You probably would have been a little bit more hesitant. Oh, yeah. I mean, possibly. I, because I know um, people like him are really good at, at identifying their market. So with something like Planet Gigantic, he's, you know, he'll say it's an all ages book. Um, and that's also, that's through Action Lab. So they're really good about labeling things properly. Right. And, um, whereas something else of his, that's definitely a more mature thing, uh, you know, it's there. And plus he's accessible. He's like you, I mean, I can, I can reach out on Twitter and it's like, you guys will answer me, you know? Well, you would do the same for us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's what friends are for. I know. I know. I, I don't know if, uh, in fact, you know, it's funny because this week, um, I have a story out in a, an anthology, Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And it is the darkest thing I've, I've ever done um, because it's a, a book called Protectors and it's to benefit a charity called Protect. And it's a it's the 
the mission of this charity is to uh, get better laws passed, stricter laws passed for child exploitation and endangerment okay. and uh, trafficking and okay. stuff. So it's it's something with a really dark purpose, an unfortunate purpose. And so the stories from the first volume, anyway, like I, you know, I went through a couple of them. I'm like, wow, these are some of these are really hard to read. Yeah. Like I, you know, there were ones that I couldn't even finish. And when I was asked if I wanted to to be in the second volume, I was like, well, first of all, f- like floored. I think I, I like I may have passed out momentarily. Jeez. I'm like Joe R. Lansdale is are in these books. Wow. I mean, come on, that's awesome. You know, so I'm like I'm like me really. I'm like okay. <laughs> like what can I do? And so I was terrified that that like my darkest wasn't dark enough. Yeah. And then I was really, really happy when uh, the editor, Tom Pluck, said, uh, he says, no, that's why I wanted you in this. He says, we got dark. We got plenty of dark and gritty. He's like, you know, I'm like, okay. So uh, coming, you know, coming up with a plot where I still wanted a happy ending because I'm me. (laughs) But do you feel like that that helped you? Because that way you knew that you kind of had that comfort zone to not necessarily have to do what everybody else was doing, you could still do you, more or less. Yeah, it was um, it was still terrifying, though. <laughs> well, of course. It was still, ter- it was absolutely terrifying, but I, I had, because the, I had figured out a, a theme and a setting, um, like I picked 1930s a- aviation, um, I, I got to just, like, play around in research, which is kind of my rabbit hole. It's one of the, most fun parts of the whole thing right there. Yeah, it totally is. And I'm one of these people that will just like waste time on it (laughs) instead of going, okay, I have the information. Move on. I've learned about the thirties. What if I learned about the forties too, just to be safe? Yeah. I'm like, well now I need a playlist, (laughs) you know, and I'll go through and I'll build one of those. Like one of the books that I I did, it was also, uh, it was in the late thirties, uh, aviation story also. Um, I just, I got in the car and I, I, well, first I did some research online to find out like if what this plane was. And, um, I was like, I wonder if I can find one because (laughs) obviously I need to go see this. And I got in the car and I drove my ass out to like Fort Hamilton in Brooklyn, which is like a few hours away. And, uh, you know, so I went to this, like this aviation, like hangar, this old, like museum of planes that don't move, you know, and covered in dirt and dust and, um, you know, these people that were like in their eighties, just, you know, volunteering their time to run this, this hangar. Oh, I bet they love telling y'all about it. Yeah. They, you know, they basically just let me run wild. Cool. They just let me loose. That's awesome. I, I was just in there climbing on planes by myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was funny. So I had that knowledge sort of like then when it came time to do this, this crime story and I'm like, okay, because it's hard to, it, it, for me, see, your crime stories, I don't know, your crime stories are pretty modern. I was trying to do something where, you know, like, it couldn't all be solved by the internet. Oh, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> picking something from the 30s. That's a really good idea. A lot of times you have to, when you do modern stuff, you have to make your characters forget about Google. Yeah, right? Conveniently. Like, yeah, like, their their cell phone battery has to die. Yeah. You know, like, you can't have GPS. Like, I just wish there was something I could type a search query into and get answers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um... But think how much authenticity that that then added into your story. I hope so. Um, 
you know, because I got to I got to learn about African American pilots, and that's not something that you know is ta- taught very much no, in school. Not at all. It's, so, um, that was my other thing was I wanted to pick minority characters, just because I, you know. I think there needs to be more of them. For sure. Well, that's really cool. I, I look forward. Make sure that you send me a link to where I can pick that up. Oh, I absolutely will. And make will. sure you put it in the show notes, too, so all the other people can grab it. Yeah, guys, just go to protectorsbooks.com, I think. Um, <laughs> it's on my website, definitely. It's either .com or .org. Um, but uh, Protectors Books will get you there. And it's on Amazon if you just type in Protectors Heroes. It's the first thing that comes that's up. That's really cool. When did that come out? It came out yesterday. Oh wow! Congratulations again. Yeah. Somebody. So, so should we turn the table? Should I just should I start interviewing you about your book? We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do that? We can do that. That's so funny. No, no, I never get interviewed. This is funny. You haven't been a guest on your own podcast. I have. I have done solo shows. Yeah. Yeah. Where you know I worry because I <laughs> I can ob- clearly talk forever <laughs> until my until my voice gives. You out. haven't like disguised your voice though, like asked in a. Like drop the bass on your yeah. voice for the interviewer and then answer it as yourself or something. I should. Do I should. That. Probably, if you did, you probably don't want exposed. I should probably just shut up. It's yeah. Look behind the curtain. No, the most I've done is panels. I love doing panels at conventions. Um, well, I but I never, I've barely gotten uh, to do any panels, so I'm you're you're on the right track then. Oh well, I hope so. But it, you know, again, it's because I'm uh, you know ridiculous with talking. <laughs> Um, which is funny because like on the weekends, I <laughs> I don't think I, I, I really talk much at all. You, you got to get it all out in, in short bursts or or maybe yeah. long bursts as the case may be. Yeah. Uh, my my brain just starts to hibernate. <laughs> it's it's storing up for the explosion. It is. It's like, oh, my God, Monday, I got to post the Patreon and got to do this and get this out and tweet, tweet, tweet. So what are you, um you know? Looking forward to now that you have hipsters versus rednecks. Done. Oh man, I I've got a bunch of irons in the fire right now. I've got a lot of uh, very talented people that are are working on other projects with me. A um, couple things, I guess I can tease a couple things. Um, uh, Eduardo Jimenez, who was the artist on Unit Forty Four, which came out um, the collected edition actually came out last week through Alterna Comics on Comicsology. Uh, he and I are cooking up a, an all ages fantasy series that I'm really excited about kind of um, keeping the same style of silly humor that we brought in Unit 44, but making it accessible for a new crowd. Uh, so that's something that I'm, um, I'm anxiously uh, looking forward to, to sharing with a couple of, of publishers that have expressed some interest in some things. And then, um, what else? Oh, I have another project that I'm, I'm also excited about that is called, um, it's about Thomas Edison, but it's, uh, it's like Thomas Edison as... MacGyver and James Bond combined, and so it's kind of okay. like this alternate, this really wacky alternate history type of thing. I don't know if that sounds exciting for anybody that's hearing about it, but I am super excited when I work on it. Well, no, if it is super exciting, it's also um, like a popular thing right now. Is there are a couple books about um, Houdini and Tesla yes. that are all um, you know? There's different different versions, and they all have the same kind of thing, like you know these big what if alternate history fun stories. So I'm kind of working with, um, you know, late 18th century inventors, kind of uh, using a lot of a lot of real people to kind of populate the cast and, and, and putting, again, as I do, putting kind of a, a humorous spin on the, the whole thing. Those are such fun stories. I love doing that. 
I worry though sometimes <laughs> that like uh, you know somebody's gonna just think like forget that it's fiction and start fact checking right which if anybody does i will be in trouble and i also worry a little bit about the uh you know i don't know what types of power the family of thomas edison has but (laughs) i I hope i don't do anything to wrong them yeah i don't uh i I don't think you have a problem there it's not like you're doing sherlock sherlock is is different there are you know it's public domain, but it's not public domain, and there's still lawsuits about it and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think this will well, be fun. I, I think that. Oh, and that's with uh, an artist named uh, Giovanni Caparo, who uh, is is kind of just an up and coming artist that uh, I linked up with online. Uh, he's got a this great kind of Darwin Cook esque style that I think is going to be a really neat way to approach something realistic. Well, that's very exciting because that's a style I love. Yes, he's one of my favorites. So, but uh, but Giovanni also has his own style too. So it's kind of like the the inspiration is there, and then he takes it and kind of goes to the left and and does some really cool stuff. Excellent, excellent. So um, we'll just keep in touch, and you know. Yeah, those those could come out like you know anytime in the next twenty years at this point. But they're what they're what I'm I'm thinking about day to day so they're very fresh in my brain okay well it doesn't matter because six months from now you'll have to come back on the show that's true i'll need to talk about something i guess i better get one of these wrapped up for that you just i expected marathon the glades and we'll just do a glade show we we could do (laughs) what is it when you like we could do like a mystery science theater 3000 for the glades sure yeah so um you know one of the things i do notice though about um as i said you, you know that you're accessible on on twitter and facebook um you seem to kind of avoid the daily controversies you you know you mentioned the twitter rage that goes on and comics certainly has something new every day to be outraged it about it sure apparently. does and it, and it usually just comes from the fact that i i'm only able to check those things at really weird times of the day so by the time i finally found out like what everybody's raging about it's over or you know it's it's been a good three hours and i'm just you know i don't feel the need to drop my two cents in about the conversation but i feel like by the time i i could get involved it's it's just a little bit too late so do you even um, get into the fanboy stuff, like whether or not some actor is appropriately cast, <laughs> or whether a costume is going to suck? No, I you know I don't I don't I have zero interest in that. I think that I really one of the things that bums me out about the internet is that is all the the photos that leak for movies nowadays. Like I remember when you would get like one. I'm going to go into my old man mode here. I remember the days when you got like Love it. one trailer and then you went and you saw the movie if it looked interesting. And now I feel like, you know, we, you can inadvertently, you know, even if you're not looking for it, I feel like we get exposed to, you know, a lot of spoilery stuff uh, ahead of time. And, and I, and, you know, I don't want to stop going to certain websites because it might get ruined. But I also think that people should be just a little bit more sensitive and know that not everybody wants to see, you know, somebody in costume before the movie or, or that type of thing. So you know, and as far as like casting goes, it's, you know, there's somebody that's paid a lot of money to make those decisions. So, you know, let's, let's, let's trust that it might be okay. I think that when it comes to comic book movies, it seems like we're in a, in a spot where people are tending to agree with a lot of the castings and we've had a lot of good stuff come out of it. You know, I think, 
I think everybody just needs to let the Marvel people do what they do because I think they're they're they've got it on lockdown. They know what they're doing. They've they've proven that they can do a good job. So I think we just need to put more trust in the people that are making the movies and and let them have their vision. I wouldn't you know I wouldn't want someone coming to me and telling me you know how to draw a comic book character that I helped create. You know just trust me to get the vision across. You're probably a much happier. <laughs> yeah, you you just you just try to. I just try to avoid if there's anything that that looks like it might, you know, fluster me. I just I, I might look at it, but I don't let it bother me. I've got enough going on in my life that I, I don't have room to to rage out over, you know, what the Spider-Man costume might look like in the next Captain America movie. <laughs> I'm curious. Sure. But I'm I'm more than happy to see it when it's on the screen. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I've taken a step back and tried to um, not get sucked in as much sometimes i mean sometimes a topic i will resonate enough that i find too important personally to not address sure um but uh yeah the last last couple months i've definitely taken a big step back i'll admit that i was really curious about who they would cast as spider-man and that's just simply because spider-man is is just like my favorite superhero so I, i did follow that i didn't know who any of those actors were we i don't think i've seen anything that any of them have been in so then when they announced him, I was, I didn't know who he was. I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. He looks, you know, looks like a nerdy teen. I think that's what we need. Well, with, with you know, thinking about Spider-Man, um, I saw that Tobey Maguire is got a, a, a new movie coming out where he plays Bobby Fischer. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, which I don't really know anything about. I was never, ever a chess player. I don't understand it. I just think the pieces are cute to play with. <laughs> They're basically action figures to me. Right. Um, so uh, that's definitely a movie that I, you know, that I'm looking forward to. I, I, I never sat through Man of Steel, but I, I am interested in Batman versus Superman yeah. or Superman versus every way it goes. I don't I know. I agree with you there. Actually, I fell asleep during Man of Steel. So, uh, you know, mainly because uh, honestly, Wonder Woman's going to be in it and I just want to see her and see what they do with her, even though, even if it's like five minutes. Right. You know, because it's it's just to introduce her. Well, I think as comic fans, we all we all owe it to ourselves to go out and support those movies. And you know, I I just don't agree with you know people saying that they're going to be bad or you know before they've seen the movie. Like I think you know have whatever reaction you want to after you've seen it. Like I can believe me, I convinced myself for like six months that that Spider Man three was good, mm-hmm. and then I eventually had to you know come to come to terms with the reality of the situation, but. Um, but I saw it before I judged it. Yeah, that was an interesting one for me where I can remember I, I enjoyed it when I watched it, Yeah, and then, but I still, I still felt like there was too much. And then you start thinking about it and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I did, and definitely other people's opinions and complaints completely did, you know, trigger thoughts in my head. It's not that like, it's not like I suddenly took on somebody else's opinion but i was just like oh i hadn't thought of that exactly. you know but um i know i enjoyed it when i saw it i just um you know i wasn't crazy about emo peter parker yeah that that was weird i, I was I really, willing to overlook that though and then that yeah that came back later though it's like a major defining factor it's like well, maybe yeah. this wasn't as good as amazing as i thought it was yeah but i stayed up and saw it at midnight anyway oh i've only done that a, maybe well, I did that with one of the Harry Potter movies. I think the last one. I think that was the last movie I did it for. I think that destroyed me. What else is coming out? There's um, 
I feel like there's so much, like all the time. There is. There's just a constant flow, and and I'm I'm really bad about getting to the movie theater because it's a it's a considerable drive away from where I live. So I'm I'm having to see a lot of stuff on demand and and like through Amazon. Like I just my wife and I just watched Mad Max that we'd been you know I'd been hearing so much good stuff about it. So to finally got to see it, and thankfully it lived up to the hype for me at least. Okay, I haven't seen it. So I really, yeah, that was just, um, it's just fun, you know. There's like eight lines of dialogue in the entire movie. It's just a big kind of fun yeah. action sequence. I, I, I am interested in Doctor Strange and the Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, both of those should be, projects. be really, just because they're so different. I'm really curious to see how they approach those. Yeah, yeah. Um, Captain Marvel, uh, well, Carol Danvers in general, I don't know all that much about. I've only read like, you know, the first volume. Mm-hmm. Of, of the series and Dr. Strange, I know literally almost nothing about, but there was an, there was an animated movie that I really liked mm-hmm. with him. So they're both very interesting know. characters. And, and I, I think that just with Marvel doing the great job that they're doing, I can't imagine that they're going to be bad. Right. Well, the, what's funny is that when I was reading a Dr. Strange I think it was a mini series or something. It wasn't him. Um, Brother Voodoo had become Sorcerer Supreme. So it wasn't Stephen Strange. It was this, you know, very interesting minority character. Mm -hmm. I I remember that. That was maybe two, three years ago. So, so I was, when the movie was being talked about, I was like, oh, if they really want to be different, they may need to make a Brother Voodoo movie. And I'll be down with that. Um, you know, they cast Cumberbatch and I'm like, oh, whatever, isn't he in everything? <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he really is. Um, you know, so there's, a, there's some fun stuff to look forward to. Absolutely. I'm, and I'll, I'll keep going and supporting him. I may not see him. Like I have, I still haven't seen Ant-Man. Um, I think, I think I've seen everything else Marvel wise, but I, that's the only one I'm missing right now, but I'll go see him or I'll, I'll catch him when I can. Uh, you know, it's, to me, I think back to my childhood and like how much I would have loved to have had these movies. Oh, so I just do everything I can to to make sure that I'm supporting them and they're getting my money and they can keep making them so that you know other kids can be coming up and and find the same love for these characters that we've all had. Yeah, now, if we could just I mean, get these kids that love the movies to buy the comics, then we'd really be in business. But that's a whole other we thing. would yeah we would be in much better shape for sure. Um, you know, well, Star Wars is another one coming up. Sure, I'm super excited I, about that. And I think, uh, as far as I know, that that comic sales, you know, since they're under Disney now, mm-hmm. I think they've they're doing well. That's good. I'm glad that that's still still a thing. I I just had my wife and I did a marathon of of all the Star Wars movies a month or two ago, uh, so it was really fun to to get back into that world. So I'm I'm looking forward to the spinoffs that they're doing too. I think that's a real cool idea to kind of keep it keep it going and keep the keep the money machine rolling. Okay, so let me ask a final final bit of advice um, before I let you go. When you're marathoning Star Wars, do you start with the way they came out, or do you start? Oh, the... You're, you're going to open up this. You're going to open up a can of worms. All right. Yeah, because I don't really know what to do okay. because I really I really didn't like the prequels yeah, and, at all, I, like in any capacity. And I'm 100 percent with you there. But here's what we learned as we were watching it: is that if you're showing Star Wars to somebody for the first time, you really shouldn't show them the prequels first because it actually, it ruins the surprise that, that, that Anakin is Luke's father, you know, which right. is like the, the ultimate thing. So I found online though, there is, they call it the, uh, I think they call it like the machete 
cut or something, something along that lines, if you Google that. But it, it then goes on to explain how you should actually watch them, um, episodes three, four, and then the prequels, and then and then end with Return of the Jedi. So that it's you watch the first two movies, you get this cliffhanger with, with Han frozen in carbonite, um, and you find out that, that Vader's Luke's dad, and then you go into the prequels and you see Vader's story, and then you come back for this finale. So I've heard that for somebody who hasn't seen Star Wars, that's supposed to be like the ideal way to watch them. Okay. All right, I'll take your advice. <laughs> well, it's not it's it's not even my advice. It's some somebody that has thought about this for way too long. But they <laughs> they even make a really valid case for not even watching episode 1. So if if you don't if you're not a fan of that movie, then maybe this is the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if I could sit through this again. But I'm I but I you know, I'm I'm so I have so much hope for the new movie. Yeah. That it's possible I may do that i might it might require a lot of bourbon (laughs) but you know look at it this way it's it's the same thing i guess the same way that i'm approaching the the comic movies is that if they're going to do a star wars movie every year moving forward then at some point along the way we're going to get something awesome we have to just by you know the odds alone we have to get a great movie somewhere in there yeah i agree just make more because that way you have room for exactly and then some of the directors that they're getting to, to come in and do the movies is is really exciting and and I think that you know that's a step in the right direction. I was worried, um, you know, I like J.J. Abrams, but I'm not like a fanatic, so I was afraid that they were just going to give him carte blanche on it moving forward. So I'm glad that they've they've kind of given the opportunity to other folks for the the additional episodes. Okay, well, next time we'll talk about his Star Trek. <laughs> I have nothing to say. <laughs> you have nothing. It was no. okay. They were okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, well, All here's right. the thing: is I never watched Star Trek growing up, so I have no attachment. To oh, okay. It. All right. So, all right. Different. Yeah. Well, the original is um, it's on Netflix now. Added, um, added to the list. Yeah, I I had started trying to go through it again, but the audio I find that when I watch old things, like even old, um, I was trying to watch, I think it was like a Hitchcock movie or something, the audio is so terrible. Yeah, that would suck. That I have a really difficult time um, actually watching them. It would make it even... hard to enjoy. Yeah. So, because um, so, I really did want to marathon the original series again, because that's the one that I like. But, oh well. <laughs> Maybe they'll remaster it. Yeah, they should do something. In Dolby Surround. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, so that's what we'll leave off for today, and then we'll hook up in a in a couple more months. I'll, I'll get six months worth of of stuff for us to talk about. Yeah, and um, you know, and then you can keep your tally with Mister Grissom. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna email you tomorrow and say, "Hey, I heard that I need to be back on the show." Yes. Well, I'm gonna see him. He's coming Superhero Weekend. Oh, very cool. With, with Phil Sloan, um, they're gonna be there on October. Fourth, I believe they're coming on the the Sunday. And give him a high five from me. Totally, absolutely. So, um, it's very exciting when they can come up to Comic Fusion, and it's a uh, it's going to be a fun time. Um, all right. So, Wes, where can people follow you and learn more about uh, your project? So they can find Hipsters versus Rednecks online at hipstersversusrednecks.com. Uh, they can find me online. My blog is westloker.com. Uh, Facebook at writer westloker and Twitter dot com slash westloker that's really redundant but it's very easy to remember at least you got your name my name is different on every single platform yeah nobody else out there is named westloker so that's worked to my advantage Good for you. I, well, and, I, um, I thank but, my parents 
<laughs> and we'll mention um, Tyler Kelding's other project, My Friend Death. Absolutely, everybody should go. If they like Hipsters vs. Rednecks, they should buy that. That should be the next thing they get. And then followed by your book. Oh, followed by Protectors. Go look up Protectors on Amazon. And uh, yeah, I totally appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Wes, you have a great night. You do the same. Thanks for having me back on. I do appreciate it. Thanks.